Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. Hey, Sarah. Hello, Rebecca. It's halfway through October. It is very much halfway through October, over halfway now that the episode is coming out or past if you're listening to us in the future maybe it maybe it's november and halloween is days away is in the past yes days in the past away (laughs) i it made sense in my head i'm glad i'm not the only one around here maybe it's november 3rd and it's my birthday you know (gasps) you heard it first here people happy birthday to you No. Hmm. I know it's in the public domain now, but no. Can I at least leave you balloons? We need flood of cards now for Sarah's birthday. (laughs) You have your assignment, dear listeners. It happens also to be Rebecca's half birthday. That's true. You could send me half a birthday card. You send Sarah the whole one. I'll get the half. That works. I want to say happy life to our next podcast episode subject. She's a real gem, isn't she? I can do transitions. Did did she have a pearl of wisdom? Uh, Ignoring. Uh, (laughs) Our episode today is all about Pearl Maria Schenk. She was born in 1911 in Ramsey. So she and her family lived on what they called the Howling Hound Farm in Ramsey along the Mississippi River. Oh, had to happen. Sorry. No impulse control here. Nope. I'm here for comedic relief, people. (laughs) But I found her interview. They did this video interview when she was in her 90s in 2002. And it's such a sweet memory and listening to her talk about all of these things that made life normal for them, like riding the horses to town and what kind of horses she had and how she learned to post and the one room schoolhouse, all of the, all of the things. It's a really great interview. She's got a really great voice to listen to and some wonderful stories. Let's get into it right now. Let's go for it. Hear directly from Pearl herself. When did you um, come to Ramsey, the city of Ramsey? I was born there. You were born there. Now, I was born on the Opakish, what are now the Opakish states. Okay. Mm -hmm. Down by the river. When did your mom and dad come there? They came here from Iowa. Oh, they came from Iowa? Mm-hmm. Whereabouts from Iowa? Near Waterloo. Oh, okay. So then he started the farm there and he bought the acreage, or did he buy the he acreage the all acreage. at once, or did he buy some of it? He was it? looking for land uh-huh. and he went on excursions okay. up as far as Canada. But then finally uh, he bought right there on the banks of the Mississippi, a very lovely location. Have you been down to the Opaca Estates? Not for quite a few years. They're certainly built up. Oh, yes. Now, 
The house burned down, the one I was born in. Uh -huh. I was born in 1911. Mm. Oh. I never expected to live to be this old. Oh, you look wonderful. Um, what do you remember back when you were on your dad's farm? Well, it was a beautiful farm site, and of course we always had animals. My father was a fantastic horseman. Really? Wow. And the, one of the teams of horses that we uh, rode behind were a pair of Hamiltonians mm -hmm. that are, they have five paces. You know, they walked, they trotted, they paced, they galloped, and... Cantered. Cantered. Loped. Yeah. And they could make it into town in about five minutes. In town? In Anoka. Yeah, town was a long way away back then, wasn't yeah, it? it was. And, of course, uh, I remember it so well that when I started school, of course, there was no pavement. And uh, they had the main Jefferson Highway with the gravel road. But when we went to school, we took the pony cart and um, drove up the lane, you know, from mm -hmm. the, from the um, farm. And then we hit for the little ditches. There were ditches on each side so we could pass whomever. And then my brothers would always um, go in the ditch and then they'd go over the main road and then they'd go in the ditch and they'd go to the main road and go into the ditch. <laughs> and I laughed all the way. <laughs> Were the, your brothers older or younger than you? I had two brothers older. Older. So Sherwin was he the old? Oh. No, I have two brothers and a sister younger. Oh, They're half-brothers and a half-sister. And Sharon was a full brother? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Was he the oldest or the middle? He was the older. First born, huh? Yeah. He was quite a character, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. I remember him because, like I said, we, yeah. we purchased his property from him, so I remember him very distinctly when he lived in the home. Now, they must have gone to school. Did they go to the uh, one-room schoolhouse? Yes, members? they did. Did you go there, too? Yes. Did you? Yeah. Now, did you... Now, this is a personal thing, but when I got off the farm, my foot off the farm, it was my life. You know, at home I was in a short leash, a uh -oh. little girl, and of course I kept getting sick all the time. My mother had to nurse me back to help. But when I started school, we had to go to kind of a little kindergarten in the spring for a couple of weeks, and I liked it. And then I got the measles, so I had to stay home for the rest of the year. But I brought my book home. And one word at a time, my mother helped me learn how to read the little book, all about the little red hen. Aww. And so then the next fall I went back because I had read the book. I told our teacher, Miss Annie Wilson, um, that I didn't want to be in first grade. I wanted to be in second. <laughs> Would you believe it? They put me in second and my parents allowed it. From then on, I ran my own education <laughs> entirely. If I flunked, I flunked. That was my business. <laughs> and I, um, I was, I never, well, then she never taught me any arithmetic for first grade. And that was a sad mistake on my part, not to have been in first grade at all. But it figu I figured out that if she'd have had me in first grade, I'd have been in a class by myself. Oh. As it was, I was in with older children. So there wasn't a lot of kids in school back then, obviously, if you were going to be the only first grader. Well, there were 30 or 35, usually. Mm -hmm. It was a big school. 
So I always flunked arithmetic. But even though I flunked arithmetic, I did pretty well on my state exams, and I got to be the salutatorian of Anoka County for that eighth grade. Oh, my. I, yes. <laughs> Success! That's wonderful. And we were living by the river when the log jams were coming down. And one of my early memories was going over in the little boat with the uh, head of the crew to have dinner on a beautiful Sunday night in the um, Wanagan, that where they did the cooking. Oh. You know, the Wanagan has the three boats. Okay. The one where the horses were, the one that was the uh, place where the men would sleep, mm -hmm. and then, of course, there was the one where they did the cooking. And for dinner that night, we had one thing that I've never forgotten, never had it since. That was fried cabbage. I don't know how anything like fried cabbage could have been so good. It is good. If you throw some noodles and butter, it's even better. <laughs> it's Polish. <laughs> really? And then I, ordered, yes. I um, envied my brothers because two of the men with the horses that uh, they used on the drive came over and took them to the Wanigan. Cool. But at the time, we lived on the farm. You know, it was a gravel road all the way to Anoka. And by that time, they had put in, by the time I was aware of um, how the streets were in Anoka, they put in concrete crosswalks. And then, then they had it um, so that the, um, you could drive with your team right up in front of a store and get out of your buggy and go into the store. After they began to make the streets in Oka, they had to lower all the entrances. Oh, is that right? Because they were expecting cars to take over. I think it was Mrs. Pearson that had told us, and she told us memories of taking the Pearson boys down to the amphitheater. Uh, in the park in Anoka for, for bands and everything yes. on Saturday night. Did you ever attend any of those functions? Oh, yes. Did you? Mm -hmm. And for a long time, over in um, what was Bridge Square, mm -hmm. they had their band concerts once right. a week. And then before that, in Bridge Square, they had um, a tabernacle that came to town with an evangelist named Aldrich. And that was in 1920. He, he just was there all the time. All the time? Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and um, when my father came to town, they had uh, two groups of people, those that went to church and those that went to bars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he told me quite a bit about that because um, he uh, heard about this after he got to Anoka. And he had no trouble. But what they would do, if they had their way, they would accost a new person who came to town and ask him if he'd uh, set up the drinks in that particular saloon. And if he refused, they would grab him, hanging from his ankles over the Camelback Bridge. Oh, no. We had a bridge that went like this in mm. town. Mm -hmm. And they would let him hang down until he promised to set up the drinks. Well. Our neighbor, Mr. Stein, uh, told, I guess, the sheriff that when Bill Schenck came to town, he was very able, a very able-bodied young man. 
And so then the sheriff said, okay guys, mess with him and I won't defend you. Wow. <laughs> and so father said, I came to town. I drove into an over with my team. I put them up in the livery, livery stable. I did my business and I drove home and nobody ever bothered me. Where was the livery stable? There were several. You know where Bridge Square is? Mm -hmm. That is where one of the big livery stables was. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where was the other? And uh, there was one By the over near the old high school. Okay. And one was that uh, near the Jackson Hotel. That would be Billy's now. Yeah. And then there was one that was Swan Johnson's, and that was Outerways. Do you remember the uh, lumber mill down by the Rum River? Yes. The, I, I didn't traffic around it much, but I knew that they, it was a good lumber mill. It was going at the time when you were growing up? Or oh, yeah. Was it? Mm -hmm. Okay. And they, even some of my students worked there during the days of um, a CCC, before they went into CCC camps. What is a CCC camp? Civilian Conservation Corps. Oh, and oh, that I is what, It was so wonderful during the Depression because so many people were having such a hard time. And the young people didn't have any outlet for their energies at all. So that was one of the things that President Roosevelt got started. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were all over the country. And they gave the young men enough money so they had some to send home to their families. And as one of them that I talked to not long ago, he said that was why these, how these kids got food. We were so poor. But in each state they went to different places. But it got the, and of course it was great preparation for getting along with people when they got into World War II. Yeah. Cool. Well, how did your mom and dad end up in, in Ramsey? In the, in they the wanted a home of their own. Where did they come from? Iowa. Oh, that's right, Iowa. And around... They were farming in the family farm. And that meant that my father couldn't quite practice his, his own skills. So he could have gone to western Iowa and rented land. Mm -hmm. But that would have been not very close to um, medical services. And so uh, that would have been hard if my mother had become ill. So then he came up this way and found that farm, which became the vacation spot for every relative in Iowa uh -huh. that, Is that right? had time off to come and spend part of the summer with us. On the river. On the, On the river. river. How many acres did you have? We only had 97 to begin with, or 87, I think. So then the highway went right through your father's property? Yeah, he lost some of his property. To but the you highway? see, on Sherwood, they lost the whole Larkin house mm. and, a, and a big piece of the property. And that now, was, was that Jefferson Highway? Was that Jefferson Highway yeah, before? Yeah, and then they renamed it number 10. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. I was just trying to remember that. Yeah, we used to go to entertainments in the evening. And it got to be after a while that uh, when our father had a car, that there would be, and other people had cars, young people would be sparking in the lanes, in our lane. <laughs> And father would sometimes even have to drive out in his own field to get around them. And he thought, what should he do? But we had a little dog named Pinch. And um, Pinch was irritated when the trains whistled at the crossing. So he'd howl and howl and howl. Father got an idea. 
he named the farm the Howling Hound Farm. Oh. And uh, that took care of his problem. Nobody wanted to park where there was this dog. That was a howling hound. <laughs> that was a, a pretty highway then, yeah. because there were so many quite nice farmhouses mm -hmm. all the way from Anoka to Elk River. Yeah. Did you ever see that big log? Yes. Yes. Well, that was where the other Menzels lived. Okay, because they, they had a, like a Quonset hut. Yeah. There. But before, mm -hmm. the, before that time, before the big log was there, there was a little um, building there, and it had been a church. And then when we went to give our Christmas program, we walked against the wind from the schoolhouse north into this church and built a fire. It had a stage, and that's where we put on our Christmas programs. A very nice oh. place. And then after a while, uh, somebody decided that we could use it as a dance hall. That was where I learned to, to dance, the polka and the waltz mm -hmm. and the foxtrot. Um, and then when they put in the highway, of course, they had to move that little old church. And it's still living down there as some kind of a... Um, I, don't, I don't drive that way enough now to stop mm -hmm. and take a look at... Um, it's not a garage or anything, is it? Something like that. Okay. Because uh -huh. I often wondered where that came from. Yeah. By I, holiday there. It's, huh? by, it's by Holiday Station on the... Uh -huh. Yeah. I often wonder what that building was. We thought it was the school, but it's not the school. No, it was a little church years ago. Okay. Before our time. Did you have any pictures of that? No. The, no pictures? No. Oh. I know Nancy said that we you We were do. too poor to take pictures that's, when I went to school. Oh. That's right. You told me that. And, and uh, mm -hmm. what did you do when you worked? I taught forever. That was 27 years. That was forever. What school? I taught 11, 13 years out in rural schools in Aroka County. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. Wow. And this should impress you. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> because I taught, I went out to teach when I was 18. I already had my teacher training. And um, I got my first paycheck. I taught in a school up uh, near Cedar. It was called the Crooked Brook School. Oh. Had a very crooked brook near it. And uh, I bought my paycheck down to Anoka to cash. And the stock market had gone to ruin in 1929. And my father said, if you put it in the bank, you'll lose it. And he said, if you give it to me. And he needed money so badly after my mother died that, um, you know, I can keep it for you and repay you. What grade did you teach when you were teaching? What grade? Well, those 13 years I taught all eight grades. All eight grades? Mm -hmm. Oh, and then at the end of the eight years, see, I always wanted to get to college. After two years, I resigned my first school so that I could go to college. I wanted to teach in high school. I didn't want to teach in grade school. And yet, when I was in high school, one day they gave us a chance to come down and sign up for teacher training. Mm -hmm. That was the best thing I ever did. I trotted down and signed up. I didn't want to teach in a country school, but I signed up. And that uh, meant there was something that I could do um, that would be the next thing to going to college, or would it? <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of 13 years, 
I found out they were playing, going to play games with me. And I think somebody thought they could get me cheap. Because that was when there was a shortage of teachers. But there was one school where a teacher who had been very popular was in trouble. And I think they thought that if I would take the upper grades, that would help her um, hold her job. So anyway, they didn't give me what I wanted. And then I was able to go to college long enough to teach in a city school. So when you taught in Anoka County, where did you live then? You lived in your dad's house? I boarded. Oh, you during the week. And then my parent, my father would take me to school on Monday morning, and my stepmother would come and get me on Friday afternoon. Okay. Bless their hearts. That was hard for them, too. But they never, ever complained, because I was the family backup. We'd have never had a Christmas for a number of years if it hadn't been for that paycheck. Mm -hmm. And I bought a lot of chicken feed, a lot of... Um, oil meal for the cows to eat, <laughs> and so on. Mm -hmm. it, it meant, and finally I used enough of the money after I taught a number of years, so I bought a radio, and that was when you, you got the big battery with it. <laughs> so I bought this huge battery, was <laughs> in the living room, and then there was the radio, uh -huh. so my half-brother, my half-sister could listen to the radio. Uh -huh. But we were very, very short on money. Because, you see, after the Farmer's Depression, then there was the Great Depression, you know, when the stock market crashed. And then there was the drought, mm -hmm. which was terrible in most parts of the country. We were lucky. Except, yeah, in one incident, we were particularly lucky. Um, and then, of course, after that, the drought, it began to rain after a while, and then World War II. But while we were lucky, one time, because of the, of the drought, I had herded cows in a pasture that wasn't fenced. And I herded the cows. I had a saddle horse that I loved to ride. And it meant that the cows could eat right up to the roadside. They could get every little snip of grass possible. We were that short of grass in the pastures. Hmm. Then, of course, I had to get them back across the tracks and down by the river before the afternoon train whistled, because that would scare my horse. Oh. And she'd stand up on her hind legs, and I'd have to let the reins hang while I grabbed the saddle horn, and I'd give her a little kick, and then she'd run. She'd gallop furiously to get away from that train. And then after a while, I'd turn the horse around and we'd take the cows home. Well, I did that for a couple of years, and then the third year, my young brother, who um, was about 11, uh, was asked to ride the horse and herd the cows. Mm -hmm. And he, I didn't realize how competitive he was before that, but that time he was really competitive. When the, he didn't get the cows across before the train came, the horse reared, and he decided not to pull leather. He didn't reach for the saddle horn and grab it. He pulled it on the reins. I wonder what he thought those were made out of. <laughs> you know? And he pulled the horse so hard, she fell right over on him. Mm -hmm. But there was a whole pile of dust there from a dust storm, and that was what kept him from being hurt terribly. Mm -hmm. Of course, as soon as he fell 
in the dust, the horse scrambled to her feet. <laughs> and then the folks, uh, they fenced in the pasture after that. And of course there were no school buses. So a lot of us that lived out in the country had to walk into high school. Oh my gosh. And some of them walked to was six your or high seven miles. Was your high school then right in downtown Anoka? Yeah. It, mine was just five miles. And uh, my brother drove the first year. And the second year I just struck out and walked and caught rides. I caught with rides with every kind of a vehicle there was. There was no Greyhound bus then. No. And, uh, and then the next year, my father and a neighbor uh, drove. Father took us to school, and the neighbor brought us home. And then the, when I was a senior, I walked in. Mm -hmm. When they started the teacher training department, that happened to be just the year the Greyhound bus started to run. To Minneapolis in the morning, to Elk, St. Cloud in the afternoon. What year was that? That was in 1928. Uh, oh. So I had transportation into Anoka. Then I had to walk the rest of the way when I got in town over to the teacher training department. It was, I guess I was a faster walker then. Did this bus stop over on Ferry Street? Yeah. Right on the corner of Ferry and mm -hmm. Main there? And then that's where you dro were dropped off? Mm -hmm. There's so much that moved around so much and changed so much. Right, well, back, back in those days, Anoka and Ramsey were one, really, basically, mm -hmm. were they not? I mean, and Ramsey kind of like made themselves the next off of Anoka or whatever, however that happened. My ago. father could look ahead in time, and he said that soon everything would grow up so much, everything would be built up so much that Minneapolis would be right out to where we were. And, of course, he was right. Well, going back to the Greyhound bus then, <laughs> I uh, rode the Greyhound bus in the, the mornings, and um, that was wonderful. And then I would ride it home in the afternoon. And 25 years later, my favorite bus driver was on a run towards St. Cloud, and he stopped to give me a ride. I don't know how he knew me. I was dressed in clothes that fit and were okay. <laughs> you know, I had a fur coat by that time, 25 years later. But he started talking to me, and he said, I remember you well. He said, you used to ride the bus out this far. You'd get off the bus, you'd go look in the mailbox, and then you'd run for home. But he said, if there was a bad storm, and the, and the uh, lane was blocked with snow. Your father would come on a, on a workhorse, leading your riding horse. Oh. And then he said, you'd get on the riding horse, and you'd ride for home, and the horse would leap one snowbank after another, after another. And he said, I would just let the bus sit so that people could watch you ride until you were out of sight. Of course, writing happened to be the only passion I ever, ever had in life anyway, you know. You like to ride horses? Well, I had to ride horseback. My brothers could. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I learned how to post, finally, where I didn't bounce too hard in the saddle, I was 11. And I, my older brother and I were home alone, and we needed kerosene for the oil stove. 
and we needed sugar to cook whatever we wanted to cook. And we got up to Gort Blees's, and um, I had to carry the sugar. And very shortly, it was going to spring a leak, and I was going to lose my sugar. So my brother rode up behind me, and he said, Pearl, every time your horse puts his left foot forward, stand up in your stirrups. That was the best riding lesson I ever had. <laughs> I lost no more sugar. I never bounced in a saddle again. I could trot a horse forever. I learned how to post. Did she tell you about the big tornado that came through? Mm -hmm. Tell us about it. My sister-in-law, Pearl, you never knew her. She had, she had a group that she did things with. and We went in a picnic down below St. Paul. And uh, as we left the Anoka area, my brother looked back and he said, well, somebody's really catching it. And we got down and it was a stifling hot day. It was just miserably hot. And you could hardly enjoy a picnic and we couldn't even go outside because it was too hot outside, so we ate inside. And finally, after it got later in the day, we started for home. We got up to Champlin area on the other side of Osseo first. And there were cars in along the highways, whichever way. They were just like strings of jewels because the, the um, tornado had come and gone across the Mississippi River. And they always said that a tornado would not cross a river. It sure did. And they said that you could see the bottom of the river, the oh, logs and like everything. This. And um, it went through an open caused, they took the armory. It yeah. was really it was devastating. devastating. Mm -hmm. I think they have that in the historical. And the very first thing that happened was people started stealing. Yeah, looting. Mm -hmm. They looted. Why do they do so that? So they had to go up to Camp Ripley and get the soldiers to, to come down and protect the property in Anoka. Oh, and of course it blew away the armory. And that was such an important part of the lives of the kids at school because that was where the basketball games always were. Oh, is that right? And that was where the graduations were held. Oh. And that was where we had a kind of a crazy show that we wanted to do to earn money in school. That was where we had it, over at the armory. Um, there was one man, of course things happen during a tornado that are funny. Here was a man taking a bath. <laughs> and took the house, and there it was in the bathtub. <laughs> there were, and it, it took, a, over on the other side of the river, it took a couple of cars and threw them right up in the air. Oh, goodness. I, I, th I don't think there were more than five or six people killed that, that time. So we had that one. And then in 1941, we had another one that That'd swept one. through Ramsey. Yeah. That'd be the one my parents would probably remember. Yeah. And that was the one that... Uh, started at, at, with a Harry Warnicke's farm and it took the barn and just moved it and up on its foundation. They could never get the barn put back. Right? And it went then, it missed the house and it went right up the, it took a whole row of trees out, went up across country and took another Warnicke's place out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it left a turkey hen sitting on top of a straw pot. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It took the roof of the barn and turned it over and slid half of it on one side of the tree and one half on the other side. 
Then it went up across country and there was a woman uh, rocking her baby. It took the house and left her rocking her baby. Oh my goodness. We got in the car shortly after that. Uh -huh. I remember that one well because my, my youngest brother, who's now 60, was a baby oh. at that time. And uh, my, the, somebody, I was home from school and somebody called me and I knew by the way they called, I couldn't stay where I was, I had to come downstairs. My mother handed the baby to me so that she could go down the steps <clears throat> and go up the outside stairway and see what was happening. We had a hired man and his son. They didn't know what to do. They ran toward the river. Then they ran up through the alfalfa field. Then they ran toward the river. And then they ran up through the alfalfa field <laughs> while my folks stood and watched the tornado go away. Yeah, that was scary. You didn't go into the cellar then? Did you have a cellar? Uh, we had outside? a cellar. And our cellar was wonderful. It was uh, not too big, mm -hmm. but it was a very good cellar. It had huge boulders along the side. And that was where when my father wanted to save seed potatoes for the next year. He um, would put them down in that cellar. Mm -hmm. And then we used a, um, a an oil stove to heat the cellar part of the time. Well, you're our interesting lady. You're interesting. Well, thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, Diana Nurberg here, a librarian for Anoka County Library, and I've got some resources to explore for this episode's Library Minute. These resources deal with schooling in small towns during the early 1900s. Let's get started. First, They Called Me Teacher, Stories of Minnesota Country School Teachers and Students, 1915-1960 by Tom Melchior. Readers can get a thorough understanding of what school looked like in rural Minnesota in the first half of the 20th century via the stories in this book. Moving chronologically through time, one can also perhaps get a sense of how schooling changed over the years. Next, we have Good Night, Mr. Wodehouse by Faith Sullivan. An ode to a famous novelist and the power stories have on us, this book also features a protagonist living in small-town Minnesota who worked as a school teacher in the early 1900s. The story follows the life, hardships, and happiness alike of Nell Stillman, who is accompanied through it all by the comfort of Mr. Wodehouse's characters and stories. Finally, we have The Whistling Season by Ivan Doy. This charming tale introduces readers to Paul Milliron, a school administrator in 1957, looking back on his childhood in rural Montana in 1910. As an adult, he realizes the importance that time in a small one-room schoolhouse was to his community and his life personally. You can find these resources and more at your local Anoka County Library. Until next time, happy learning. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anokacountyhistory.org. Well, that was fun. So I hear you found a book. <laughs> No preamble, just fine. We, <laughs> I was researching. Uh, it, well, I was researching in the collection uh, because I have to create the show notes and I want to know more about the people that were having on the episode. And we had some pictures of Pearl's brother and the house on his farm, but not a lot about Pearl at all. 
on the video, there is a still of the front cover of a book, her memoir at Ramsey County Historical Society. Shout out to Chad. The director over there. Yeah. So I, I sent you a request. I was like, can you can you go get that for us? And Chad got on his white stallion and rode the book out to Fridley. And there I retrieved it. Yeah, and it's a it, really neat book. It, it gives some extra information about the the interview. And I think it was 2006. It was copyrighted. So about the same time as they did the video. And she died right about then, too, didn't she? Yeah, she passed away in 2006 at the age of 95, I believe. And uh, it's about 150 pages long called Pearl and the Howling Hound Farm. And about two thirds of it are about Ramsey City and Anoka County. But she did go on to have this career and get her master's degree and became a school counselor at Roseville. So there's the connection. People don't just live in one spot. History does tend to follow you around, doesn't it? So it's a, a good note to all researchers that you have to be looking at multiple museums and multiple archives for perhaps the thing you're looking for, the gem, the Howling Hound Farm book is being saved someplace else. We are a mere stepping stone. We are all connected. And with that, we shall go on. Because that's the only choice we have right now. Because <laughs> it's in our world, it's still October and we still got a week of tours left. Or maybe it's uh, after Halloween and I am on vacation and I'm not even in the, mu in the museum right now. That would make you a ghost voice. On that note, thanks for coming along. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, the Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.